Good morning, First Lutheran Church. It's very nice to see you. I want to say hi to those of you who are here in the fellowship hall with me in our contemporary worship service. Awesome to be here with you. I want to say hello also to those of you in our traditional service. If you're uh, watching via simulcast over in our sanctuary just down the hall. I also want to say hi to those of you who are watching online or on TV, whatever it might be. I think it's really cool that we have the opportunity to worship together even if we're not in the same physical place. It's pretty cool how God can work through anything. God works through technology even. I think that's pretty awesome. So we are now in the third week of this series. We've been going through an overall series called Restored throughout this calendar year. This Restored series started off with asking the question, who is God? And we started to realize God is good and beautiful. He's a perfect father who loves you and takes care of you. And then we asked, okay, well, if that's God, who am I? Well, you're God's best creation. You are God's child. This perfect father, this perfect loving father, he demonstrates that love on you. That's who you are. And in you, his son lives. Jesus Christ is in you. And so when we come together, what does that make us as a community? That's what we're asking in this series, the third part of the Restored series, the good and beautiful community. Who are we? Because if God is who he says he is, and if we are who we say we are, we should probably be different because of it. Something should have changed in us. So what is that? What does that look like? Today we're focusing on service, serving. How does the community of Christ this community that's put together for the sake of the world, that's put together to serve, how does that look different than the world? See, this is incredibly important to Jesus. And you know that it's incredibly important to him because in Jesus' last moments with his disciples, before he's about to be handed over to be killed, he talks about service. Call it his farewell speech. This is one of the pieces that he wants them to remember. Remember me by this. You heard in the gospel this morning, Jesus speaking to his disciples. If we rewind just a few verses into Luke chapter 22, verse 17, Jesus is saying, here's some bread, and it symbolizes my body. I want you to take this, and I want you to eat it. And when you do it, remember me, and remember what I'm doing for you. And when you take the wine, as he lifted up after, he said, this, this wine is my blood, and it's shed for you. And for all people, drink this and remember me by it. Remember what I'm doing for you. Remember that I am here to serve you. And so we hear serve, and at first it's pretty simple. Like, okay, serving. Yes, we can all get on that board. I like to serve. When I serve someone else, it feels good. When someone serves me, it feels real good. It's why we have 5Ks for every single possible reason, which is a great thing. We like the idea of helping people. It's why you might volunteer at your kid's school or your kid's field trip. We like the idea of helping out. It's why we really appreciate downstairs when you help out with summer Sunday cool. Plug. <laughs> we love that. Please come. <laughs> it's good to help. But what happens when, uh, when service starts to get a little uncomfortable? It puts us in a tricky situation. Have you ever been at Starbucks? when they're doing the whole pay it forward thing. If you're not familiar with that, what that means is someone goes to Starbucks. This usually happens in the drive-thru. Somebody buys their drink, but then they're kind of feeling like, you know, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. And then the person behind them, the, the, the cashier lets them know, hey, someone paid for you. Would you like to pay it forward? 
Then you pay it for the person behind you. And the person behind you, there have been reports of where it's like 430 people in a row. And then there's that crank who comes in, like, I'm going to intentionally ruin this. Here's my coffee. You know, <laughs> that's just frustrating, isn't it? Well, I would call that person out, but I might be a bit of a hypocrite. <laughs> you see, I went into Starbucks with one of my friends. Uh, he was coming in. He was visiting town. And this was in the spring, and we're walking into a Starbucks. It was one of those cold spring days, and so I'm looking forward to this hot chocolate. And we walk in, and what do you know? We hear the cashier saying to the person at the de- or at the counter, hey, pay it forward is happening right now. We're about 10 in, 10 to 15, somewhere like that. And so being the servant that I am, I let my friend go in front of me. <laughs> yeah, why don't, you, why don't you just hop right in there, yeah. So he, he has his drink paid for, and I had my drink paid for. Lucky for me, no one was behind me. Not bad, huh? Free drink. Don't have to pay for anybody else. But just because I wanted people to realize, okay, I'm not a complete, you know, cheapskate. I'll wait for someone else. You know? In fact, I will wait here for a whole 30 seconds just to make sure that no one comes in. And just as I'm about ready to say, looks like your business is done for the day, and it's like 10.30 in the morning, You can't make this up. A bachelorette party walks into the Starbucks. (laughs) Who brings a bachelorette party to Starbucks? Are you kidding me? And I'm like, oh no. They walk up to the counter, this will all be together. Uh, I had a $3.50 hot chocolate paid for me. You expect me to pay $35, what? I left Starbucks very quickly. I mean, really, I wish I could tell you I pay. I did not pay for them. I did not pay it forward. And here I stand confessing my sin. See, service is this thing that we love hopping into, this thing that we love to support, until it makes us a little uncomfortable. Until it makes us, ooh. Well, don't forget, I got to take care of myself, right? I got to look out for number one. I mean, doesn't the Bible say something about, like, God takes care of those who take care of themselves? Yeah, I think it says it in, like, Razakiah 6.1. If you don't get that joke, open your Bible and look at the table of contents. <laughs> it's not there. No. Philippians chapter 2 actually says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Instead, think about other people. Impersonate Christ. Take on his mindset when you see the world around you. Rewind. Back to that last supper when he's talking with his disciples, his last speech with them. Do you want to know what I'm all about? I'm all about loving you. I do it by the way that I serve you. And I serve you with everything I have. See, I was just telling you a second ago, I've got the bread and I've got the wine. And this symbolizes me. Remember, I'm giving my body and blood for you. Maybe they didn't understand it. And so he makes it a little bit more clear. No, no, no. What this means is I'm going to die for you. I'm giving you my everything. I'm giving you my all. And not only am I just going to die, I'm going to be executed because one of you in this room is about to betray me. But take heart. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine the disciples at that moment? What do you mean, one of them? I mean, we've been following you for the last three years. Who's the traitor? And so in verse 24, we read there, the disciples, or in verse 23, the disciples search for you. Who might this be? Who might be the one? And at first, that's kind of out of a good heart, you know, defending their leader, defending their, their, their leader, their, their Messiah. But see, they had this misunderstanding of the Messiah. 
They had been hearing about this Messiah who's going to come and save them from the oppression that they were living in. The Jews were living under Roman rule. And they were being oppressed. And so they were excited. The Messiah is finally here. And he's going to be this great and glorious king. Oh, they got a king. But not the kind of king they thought they were going to get. See, they were living in the world. And they were focused on the world. And all they saw was the world around them. And so when this king, this Messiah comes in, they think, oh, worldly king. No. So how confused must they have been when they heard, I'm going to die? See, Jesus, since I've been hanging out with you, I kind of thought, well, if you're a worldly king, if you are the king, if you are the Messiah, well, that means that once you take over, I'm in a pretty good spot. I'm in your cabinet. I'm going to be sitting pretty. And now you're telling me I'm not. You want me, you want me to go out and continue risking my life? You want me to go out and, you're going to be dead. You want me to do that for you? This is how you want to be remembered? And so they ask, who would do this? And they start to get confused. And it goes from who would do this to it couldn't have been me. And then in verse 24, we see there was a dispute among them about who was the greatest. So you're telling me that Jesus says, I'm going to die for you. And the conversation somehow switches into, I'm better than the rest of you. Can you imagine Jesus just sitting there? I mean, what an emotional moment. Talk about a buzzkill. <laughs> I'm going to die for you. Maybe he still has like a cup and his piece of bread in, in his hands. And you just don't get it, do you, Pete? And you just don't get it, do you, Bart? Tholomew? <laughs> you just don't get it. I mean, we can kind of hear them be like, well, that's not us. I mean, because we know the end of the story. Jesus dies and he raises from the dead. We're not so different from the disciples. We're not. Because we hear about Jesus' promises for us. We hear what he has for us. And instead of taking that and be like, okay, I am content with this. How am I going to remember you? I'm going to serve like you served me. Well, sure, I'll serve until I get uncomfortable. The disciples, once they got uncomfortable, started talking about themselves. Who's the greatest here? Because if Jesus is going to be gone, well, then I better be able to take over. Because, I mean, I, I need to be the greatest then here in this world. Anybody else play that game? I do. Way too often. Jesus, I hear your promise for me. That's great. But I live in the world. I live in the real world. And in my real world, see, I don't just, I know your expectations for me. But my real world has this checklist. And you're talking about your legacy. And you're talking about how you want to be remembered. Well, I want to be remembered too. I want to have something. I want to have success. I want to be known. I want power. I want people to listen to me. And so we have this checklist. What makes a great life? Well, Jesus, sure, sure, yeah, I'll listen to that. And maybe I'll even use you as a means to get to this end as a means to get to more stuff, okay? As a means to get to success, as a means to get to fortune. And I, and I want fame. I want to I be able to say something and people would listen. That's where my value comes from. 
That's what I want to be remembered for. See how selfish this is? Jesus says, I'm going to die for you. And the response is, thank you. (laughs) I got to live with this life first. Don't misunderstand. You are an eternal being. Therefore, eternity starts now. But so often it's, eternity can start once I start checking these things off. And it feels good, doesn't it? At first, anyway, when we get some of this stuff. Success, check, boom. With the success, I got a little bit of fame. Whew, great. With the fame, I got my fortune. And with my fortune, I bought stuff. Look at how powerful I am. Look at me. In fact, the rest of you, you're no longer on my level. So excuse me while I stand up here and look down on the rest of you. See, this is where my value comes from. This is how much you need to know about me. This is how you ought to remember me up here. This doesn't sound so different from the disciples all of a sudden, does it? Jesus, I thought you were supposed to be this worldly king and I was going to be saved here on earth. But Jesus says, think bigger. Think outside the box. Think outside the checklist. I've got something so much better for you. So much better. But this is an easy temptation to fall into. It happens to the best of us. There once was a young man. He served in the Air Force during World War II. Wildly successful. Wildly successful pilot. So successful that the other countries knew who he was, not just by his name, but by his face. If you take him out, then we'll be good. Success, fame, they feared him. Well known. He finishes in the, in the military. He has a great job. He, he has a successful career. Fortune, get more stuff. Checklist, look at me. I'm on top of the world. Jealous? You should be. Because this is how I'm going to be remembered. This is my legacy. That looks pretty selfish to me. It's easy to get confused. It's easy to get wrapped up. And so there was this gentleman, this young man, Bob. The world loved him. They adored him. He was a war hero. Successful. Everybody around him cared for him. Peers, they're wonderful. And frankly, he treated people around him pretty well, too. The people you'd expect him to treat well. His family, his friends, people he comes by across on the street. But what about the people who are the lowest of the low? People who aren't up here with you, but they are down low. You know who these people are, right? Maybe you feel like you are there. You know, maybe it's, it's the kid who's not as cool at school. It's the person at work that you feel like is keeping your team behind. Again, maybe that's you. Maybe it's the person in your family that's ripping you all apart, you feel like. Maybe that's you. The lowest of the low. See, for Bob, the lowest of the low, prisoners. And we agree (laughs) with that. I mean, prisoners, they are the lowest of the low. They had their chance. They're criminals. Forget them. So Bob had this attitude toward them. And Bob's quote on them was, lock the key, or lock, lock it up, keep them in there longer, 
And after a while, you know, just throw away the key. Let them rot. Let them stay there. Because they are below me. Disciples trying to put themselves up on this pedestal. Look where I am. Jesus, you're great, but I'm going to use you as a means to an end until I can get here. Maybe I'll come back to you after that, but look where I've gotten on my own. I don't need them down there. We have no relationship anymore. Jesus calls us to live far different from that. That is what the world expects of you. And frankly, the world, a lot of the world would say, that's okay. They had their chance. Be gone. Jesus doesn't forget them. So Jesus tells his disciples, look, I get it. The kings around you, the leaders around you, they have authority. And they lord it over everyone. And society tells them, you're the benefactor. You are the good one. You're the lucky one. You're the one who has it figured out. Interesting what Jesus says next, though, huh? It's not that way with me. They're lord over this time over your society. But I'm the son of God. And do you know what I do for you? I don't hang out up here. I don't hang out up here with the self-righteous, with the people who have it figured out. And this can be religious people too. (laughs) A lot of times it is religious people. (laughs) Jesus doesn't hang out up here. Do you know where he hangs out? Let's look back at that story, his farewell address. Jesus hangs out on the floor. And let me paint it a little bit better for you. Not only is he hanging out on the floor, he's hanging out on his knees. The lowest of the low. But I thought I was supposed to be up there because that's how people ought to remember me, right? As great, as powerful, with authority. That's not what Jesus asks for. That's not what he wanted. See, Jesus, his last demonstration to his disciples, it was not walking on water. It was not raising a man from the dead. All those things show his power as God and who he is, but all those things showing him as God, (laughs) look what God does. He went to the low of the low. When the disciples came in, he said, let me show you how I want to be remembered. Don't give me the crown. Don't give me your jewels. Don't give me your government authority. Give me an apron. And he gets on his knees and he says, Disciples, take a seat. Relax for a little while. I'm here to serve you. And he pulls out this bucket. Hey, disciples, take off, your, uh, take off your sandals. In my case, my mom always tells me when I come home, it's kind of a cheesy thing, but I love it. Danny, take your shoes off. Stay a while. Jesus says, you're my family. Hang out here with me. Sorry, front row. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. <laughs> But isn't that funny? Because Jesus, his disciples did not have clean feet. That's why this job was saved for the low of the low. 
This was for the slaves, as some interpretations say it. The slaves. The ones who had no choice but to listen to you. Let me see your feet. Allow me to wash them. This is what I want to be remembered as. Me. Down on my knees. Serving you. I'm giving you everything I've got. All of it's on the table. I don't care how humiliating this looks. I don't care how unfit this job is for a king. This is how you remember me. Washing your feet. See, when we see Jesus like this, we have a whole different understanding. When we accept Jesus like that, that changes everything. Because the interesting thing about this checklist is that if you really look at it a little bit deeper, why do I want the stuff? Why do I want the success? Why do I want the fortune? Why do I want the fame? Be really honest with, you, with yourself. I mean, really, the answer is simple. The answer is insecurity. It's, well, no, I'm a confident person. Okay, but you're not confident enough to trust that you have the things you need. You're not confident enough to trust that you've done enough. Let it rest. There's so much insecurity that you're afraid. What if I run out of money? I need more. I, I need people to love me. I need them to love me. I need them to love me so much that they're afraid that they would listen to anything I say, that I would influence culture, that I would have a legacy. Well, no, if you're really secure, <laughs> that's not how it works. Because this this is backwards thinking. This is the idea that I'm only loved if I'm valuable. I'm only loved if I'm valuable. There are certain things in this world that we love because they're valuable. A beautiful painting, I love it because it's valuable. A great basketball player, I love him because he's valuable to my team. Unfortunately, the Chicago Bulls don't have a lot of value on their team right now. It bites. There are things that you love because they're valuable. Keep this in mind. You are not loved because you're valuable. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> even, even if you are, <laughs> I think you're valuable. I think you're great. God says, no, I loved you first. Before you did anything, before you spoke, before I breathed you into life, I loved you first. And I loved you enough, I loved you first so much that I sent my son for you. You're not loved because you're valuable. You are valuable because you're loved. And that's why Jesus serves you. You are valuable because you're loved by the son of God and by the father himself. That's why you're valuable. It's not anything to do with that. This world has lots of things that are fine. It's fine to have stuff. It's fine to have success, fortune, and fame. That's great. But when it becomes your God, when it becomes everything you've got, when you let that influence the way that you're going to live, it's an issue. Forget that. It's not about being high and mighty. It's about getting down and low and dirty and washing the feet of the world around you. It changes everything. It no longer walks into a situation and says, hmm, what would Jesus do? I'll sit back and wait. I wear the bracelet. It's great. It's a good reminder. 
But it asks the more important question. It walks into the room and says, Jesus, what are you doing? Let me join in. Let me be a part of it. See, when we start in on that, it changes everything. I told you about Bob earlier in this message. A lot of you know Bob, and you probably wouldn't know that because of how I talked about him earlier. His name is Bob Clemens. He started coming to First Lutheran Church in 1930. He was six years old. And like I said, Bob grew up and he had this outrageously successful military career. He's a successful businessman. He worked in insurance. He's a leader for this church. And as great as, as, great as Bob is, he would admit, I looked down on people because they were rotten. They were the lowest of the low. But see, Bob had a mentor once upon a time. And in 1980, this mentor asked Bob, Bob, I'd like you to just try to change your opinion. Just try to change your attitude toward prisoners, toward criminals. Yes, they are criminals. Just try. See what happens. For whatever reason, Bob went. And he went to a correctional facility over the next few years. And he started to see. He started to understand that these people shouldn't be loved based on their value. <laughs> they're valuable because they're loved by God. And so after a few years, Bob said, I want to go deeper <laughs> into the dungeon. Take me to the maximum security prison. And for the last 30 years, Bob didn't miss a meeting. He showed up every single time. His reputation amongst the prisoners was, he is... He's more consistent than the U.S. Postal Service. He shows up every time. Bob got it. He saw it differently. He saw the world for more than this. Bob would have had a ju just a fine legacy. War hero. Successful. Great family. Wonderful marriage. But he went deeper. He went lower. He kept serving. He wanted more. He wanted to live like Jesus. He walked into the room and he would say, Jesus, what are you doing right now? I want to be a part of it. Because I remember what you said to those disciples and I know you were saying it to me too. Serve the world around you. Yes, the world says, the world says that the benefactors are the ones in power, but I say it's the servants. If you want to be first, you better be last. This is where joy comes from because the fact of the matter is stuff, success, fortune, and fame will last only as long as your body does. And, so, and somewhere along the line, we all start to realize that it fades fast. It goes quickly because we live in a finite world. And if this is all that makes up your life, if this is all, what's the point well, I, I had stuff for my kids someday. Okay, well, what about when they're gone? Well, I, I had fortune and fame, and I'll be remembered. Question, in history, do you remember who the most, or who the richest person in 1732 was in the world? I mean, if you do, good for you. That's great. It doesn't matter. You see, Bob had everything. Success, fame, was respected, a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather. 
But after Bob passed away on June 6th, the room across the hall, our traditional worship service, completely full for his funeral. And let me tell you this. It wasn't because his war buddies were there. Maybe there were some, but the man was 91. He didn't have a lot of peers his age left. It wasn't his, his, the people who respected him just because of business. No, you know who was there? The people who learned from him. The people he served. And so for you, maybe it's, I could never go into a prison and serve prisoners. I, I'm not ready for that. Okay, maybe you're not. But start somewhere. Because I got to know Bob too. See, Bob served me in the simplest way but in the most impactful way. It was about a year ago when I had my first sermon here. And it is, I, it is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Hands down, the scariest thing. I don't know how Pastor Steve does it and how Pastor Angie have done it for all these years. I'm looking forward to the point where it's like, okay, I feel good. But it's, it's horrifying. And that first time, I'm, I'm standing, I'm sitting right here, and I'm shaking. I'm shaking. I'm so nervous. I'm horrified. So, I mean, what if it's terrible? What if it stinks? What if they don't get it? What if they don't understand? Because I failed. And you guys are such a gracious church. You guys take me as I am. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm valuable because I'm loved. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And I was loved by Bob. As soon as I got back to my office, I had a voicemail on my phone. Hey, Danny, it's Bob. Just want to let you know I'm really proud of you. I will never forget Bob Clements. Ever. He's almost 70 years older than me. We have hardly anything in common because he did a lot more with his life than I think I'll be able to do with mine. But I will never forget him. And one day, I will see Bob again. Because Bob lived for something bigger than this world. He took Jesus' words to heart. He realized, this is all finite. It's got to be deeper. It's got to be bigger. And I'm, I'm, I'm valuable because I'm loved. So what does that say about the people around me? No matter how high or low they are on the social spectrum, well, guess what? They are God's kids too. I asked Bob, Bob, why do you go? Why do you do this? Because the Lord is there. Word for word, that's what he said. The Lord is there. Jesus, what are you doing? How can I be a part of it? He's serving. Will you join in? Even more full than that sanctuary. Um, people who never would have known Jesus. People who couldn't attend his funeral service because they're locked up. They will see Bob again. Because Bob served them. Is there anything better you could ever do the answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. This does not last. Jesus Christ's love for you does. 
And at our church, we have these values. And one of our big values is love pours out. If you're in the contemporary hall, look right over here. It says it right there, love pours out. If you're in the traditional service, look at the walls. It says it on the wall, love pours out. If you're watching online, look on the website, love pours out. Read into that. When the Father's love pours into us, we cannot help it. It has to overflow. It has to go to the people around us. It can't stay in. It doesn't belong to ourselves. It belongs to everybody. Bob got that. Bob got that. Jesus lived through him, and Jesus is keeping him living today. I believe that with my whole heart. With my whole heart. What will you do? The opportunities are there. The opportunities are there. We've got Perry Peterson is our, is our service and missions director here. He would love to talk to you. He would love to talk to you. At any level, wherever you want to serve, do you want to serve in the community? Fine, we have neighborhood outreach projects. Do you want to just serve in the church? Great, we have plenty of stuff here. I hang out in Sunday school a lot. I hang out here on Wednesday nights a lot with the high school kids and the junior high students. We'd love to have you. Plug. <laughs> Do you want to go? Do you want to? Do you want to go physically extreme and go to a different country? We got that too. The opportunities are there. If it's not through our church, find it somewhere else. It doesn't even have to. It could be something as simple as coming up to someone and say, "I'm proud of you." Well done. Good job. Keep it up. This does not last, but serving changes everything. Serving gives people hope. Serving gives people a reason to keep going. Serving gives people a life after this fades away. Because the servant that we are learning from made that way. Once and for all, what will you do? Are they too low for you? You too high for them? I don't think so. I want to be where Jesus is. On his knees, washing feet. Jesus, what are you doing? And how can I be a part of it? That's part of a good and beautiful community. One that serves. One that serves. Let's pray. God, thank you for serving us. God, you served your son to us. And willingly, he died on a cross. He gave us his everything. Will you inspire us to give our everything to others? God, in our thought, word, and deed, allow it to be out of love. Encourage us to, to use those things, whatever it might be, to serve people around us, to live for something bigger than the worldly checklist items. Father, we love you, but let us not forget you loved us first. And just like you love us first, you love the rest of the world. Thank you for that. Amen. Our closing song will be a four-minute commissioning. It's, uh, I would say let's skip it, but the words are too perfect. So as soon as we got everybody in place...